the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Life is filled with both sunshine and storms. But without God's navigation, souls can easily become spiritually shipwrecked. Anchored in Christ is a weekly broadcast that ministers the scriptures so we can know Christ the Savior and enjoy salvation, security, strength, and stability found only in Him as we set sail through life's marvelous journey. Here's Pastor David Kahiwat. James 1, verses 2 through 4. The scripture says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. During my time in Bible college, I heard many preachers speak on trials and how inevitably we as Christians would go through them. Since those days in college, our family has gone through some storms, and those messages from chapel have never rung more clearly since I've been in the ministry. All of us go through trials on different levels. Some cities may experience light drizzles of rain, like San Diego, while others go through deluges of rain, like San Francisco. Either way, the, the day is cloudy, dreary, dark, and dismal. But we go through different levels of rain and storms. However, we often view the negative things of the rain rather than the positive things that come from it. Here in California, I'm sure we welcome a deluge because of the drought that's taking place. Well, each of us are in one of three stages of rain and storms. We're either heading into one, we're currently going through one, or we're coming out of one. And you say, well, I'm not currently in one. Praise the Lord. That means you came from one, or you're, hang on, you'll be in one. Some of us will go through financial storms, some through physical storms, some through emotional storms, some spiritual storms, or social storms, or whatever it might be. And some of them may even be a combination of storms. And if you're not currently in a storm, praise God. And if you just come out of a storm, praise God. But if you're in a storm, praise God. James, in the opening sentence of this letter, joyfully greeted the Christian Jews who were scattered over Rome, uh, over the Roman world. He says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. And he knew that they were surrounded with difficulties. They suffered from the persecution of the heathen and from the harassment from the unbelieving countrymen. You know, with a tender term of endearment, he calls them brethren in verse number two. Not just brethren, but he says, my brethren. I claim you 
as my family. He uses this loving, sympathetic term. And you could just see his heart wishing them joy, even in all uh, this all-time tribulation that they're going through. And as I preach this message this morning, it is my heart's desire that for those of you who are struggling in some way, those of you who will be struggling, that you would remember this passage of, of Scripture, that you can be joyful in difficult, disturbing times. Well, even in these disturbances of life, you can find delight. So if you want a, a title for this message, I've entitled it Delighting in Disturbance. Delighting in Disturbance. Here in this passage, I'd like for us to see, first of all, the perspective in disturbances. The perspective in disturbances. In verse number two, James says, My brethren, count it all joy. That word count means to consider or regard. And it says count it. What is the it? The latter part of the verse. When ye fall into diverse temptations. So, let's put it this way. Let's turn that around. James wrote, and the Holy Spirit was basically saying, when you fall into diverse temptations, consider it joy. Consider it joy. And in developing our perspective in disturbances, understand a couple of things. Number one, it is possible to count it joy through disturbances. It is possible. But this is possible only to the believer. The worldly-minded person doesn't understand how someone can find joy in trials and tribulations. The stoic, when plunged into adversity, can at best teach himself to submit to inevitable fate. The Epicurean becomes helpless in presence of calamity. Only the man who holds the faith of the, in the Lord Jesus Christ possesses supernatural ability by which sorrow can be turned into joy. It's easy to be joyful when things are going well. Amen? But it takes real faith in a real God to delight when things in life are disturbed. And if you're struggling, you can still have a joyful heart. Remember this. Happiness is an emotion, but joy is a state of being. And God wants us to find that state of being in any circumstance in life. Number two, it is also prescribed to count it joy through disturbances. Notice it says, count it all joy when. That word count is to consider, but it is a, an imperative of command. This is what you are to do. It is prescribed for you. 1 Peter 4, verses 12 and 13 tells us, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. 
Don't think it's a strange thing when you get disturbed. It's supposed to happen. And when it happens, the prescription is count it joy. No matter what the difficulty is, we are to consider it a delight. And as I look back on all that God has done in our family, how he has changed my life and my family's life, I choose to count it joy. I'm consistently reminded of Romans chapter 8, verses 28 and 29. How many are you familiar with those two verses? Romans 8, 28 and 29. Most of us are familiar with Romans 8, 28, which says that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And so we know these verses and we say, okay, uh, uh, I know that I'm going through this and I'm supposed to count it all good. But when you're going through financial difficulties, how do you count that good? When there's too much month at the end of the money, how do you count that good? When you're lying, or is it laying, in a hospital bed, all hooked up to all these machinery, how do you count that good? When people are attacking you, how do you count that good? All things work together for good. Lord, how is that working together for good? If you share that verse 28 with somebody, but you don't verse, uh, share verse number 29, then we do that verse a disservice, and we do God a disservice. Because verse number 29 says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his dear son. The disturbances and the trials and tribulations and the troubles that we go through is what God does to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Nobody has gone through anything as badly as Jesus Christ. Yet there on the cross... Jesus Christ counted it joy. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, Hebrews 12, 2 tells us. If you're struggling with something now, guess what? God wants to manifest himself in your life. Second Chronicles 16, 9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro, throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf is, uh, uh, of those whose heart is perfect toward him. After all the things that so far our family has gone through, and some of you know what our family has gone through, the serious accident with our son Joshua, the false accusations that took place in, a, in an organization, the heart attack I had two years ago. When we were going through that, after some of the things that I'd learned, lessons that I learned, especially with Joshua since that was first, I learned God is trying to do something in my life. And so when things come, my first thought is, Lord, praise you because you are doing something in my life. And while our family was going through this particular trial, a pastor friend of mine wrote me an email saying, David, only heaven knows just exactly what eternal good has come from this trial. And if we could only see all the good that comes from this entire ordeal, we would ask God for more. 
No matter whether things are going well for you or they are not, we must learn to see things with a joyful light. Will we have tough times? Yes. Will life get difficult? Of course. Will we struggle and get frustrated? We'd be lying if we said no. Will we get discouraged? Absolutely. But I try not to let it keep me down. I know that God wants our family to see our trial in a positive light. Why? Because all things work together for good to conform us to the image of Christ. When we were going through these things, there were people on the outside, especially when my son was in the hospital. There were people on the outside asking, how can you have such a joyful disposition while your son is in a coma? We were glad to tell them because of the joy we find in God, in Christ. So God prescribes joy for us, and we choose to see things in a positive light. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 1 Peter 1, verses 6 and 7, Wherein ye greatly rejoice, for now, though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness, through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, might, uh, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So, first of all, we see the perspective in trials. Count it joy. The second thing I want you to see is the predictability of disturbances. The predictability of disturbances. In verse number 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. You got to take your Bible and underline that word when, or highlight it or something, and on the margin say, it will happen. It's predictable. This means that it is inevitable that we as believers will go through times of trials. God never said the Christian life was to be easy. That word fall gives the idea of an, an unexpected strike. You ever have those times? And when that unexpected strike comes, 1 Peter 4.12, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. No one is exempt from difficulties and disturbances. No matter what age, no matter who you are, what position you hold, disturbances and trials are no respecter of persons. And when I was in Bible college, I heard many messages of preachers saying that we're going to go through them and difficulties that we should expect them to come. And I knew that. I thought that going through financial difficulties were hard, and they are. They still are. They were hard in, and when we were in evangelism. They're hard being a pastor. I thought that a vehicle dying on a busy highway and being hours from home was difficult. Well, that'll disturb you. I thought that having to deal with water damage in a kitchen was difficult. We never would have envisioned going through the pain of our daughter Rebecca having a deadly incurable disease called diabetes and watching her th go through uh, um, uh, diabetic ketoacidosis where her blood becomes acidic and she's in severe pain becomes delirious we never would have dreamed of watching our son Caleb having to suffer mental anguish after watching his brother get hit T-boned and going into a coma 
We never would have considered the pain that would last for months of watching Joshua in a coma. Not being able to talk to him for over a month. Sometimes the hurts are at the hands of those who are the most dear to us. And some of you may be going through a crucifixion from people that you love so dearly. Be they family or be they friend or be they foe. I've heard many messages that told me the trials weren't going to come, but I didn't know that it would be like this. However, when it happens, it's a quick strike, but God knows and God said that it was going to come. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. It's hard, but know that God already knew it. Don't you think that when Jesus said to go over to the other side of the, of the lake, when he said in Luke chapter 8, verse number 22 through 25, he said, let us go over to the other side, that when they got into the boat to go to the other side and that storm arose, and it was going over to the boat and the disciples were crying out and they were afraid and Jesus was sleeping. Jesus knew it was going to happen. But he knew the result was going to be they're going to get to the other side. Just remember, my dear friends, this too shall pass. You'll get to the other side. You say, well, what if I die? That's the best side. A good friend of mine was relating to me a trial that he and his family went through. And he was dumbfounded at the suddenness of it all. And he couldn't understand why he and his family were treated this way. His wife looked at him and with comforting eyes said to him, Sometimes just the fact that God knows is sufficient. Just remember what God said. Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. We won't be alone because he's in there with us and we will make it to the other side. So we see the perspective in disturbances and the predictability of disturbances. So I want you to see thirdly, the purpose of disturbances. Look in verses 3 and 4. He says, Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that she may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Yes, when we go through trials, God has a reason, a purpose for it. What is God's purpose? Number one, it, it conforms your character. In verse number three, it says that the trial of your faith. That word trial literally means proof or testing of your faith. I heard someone say, trials do not develop a person's character. It reveals it. It shows what you're made out of. As we all go through trials. The devil will plant thoughts in our hearts and in our heads to turn against, to get, get us to turn against God and to be bitter. There was a time that I was going, our family was going through such a deep, intense trial that I was thinner than tissue paper thin of getting out of the ministry. I was that close to throwing in the towel. But then God reminded me that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. The Holy Spirit reminded me, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't do anything to disqualify yourself. And I've still given you that gift and calling to proclaim the word of God. And 
His word became like a fire, Jeremiah said, in my bosom. I would read the word of God. I wasn't in the ministry. At that time, we were in a transition. It was, it was difficult. It was hard. I was hurt. My wife was hurt. Our family was hurt. We wanted out. But God said, I don't want you out. Keep going. Keep going. So I asked the pastor, can I start teaching a Sunday school? He said, sure. Started a, t- a teaching Sunday school class. It grew to be the biggest Sunday school class there in the church, a church of over 400. During our storms, our faith is put on trial. I didn't want to get bitter. I wanted to get better. We didn't have much money. I didn't know how we'd be able to buy groceries, pay bills, and, and also be able to buy Christmas presents. When our trial took place with Joshua, it happened in November. We didn't have Christmas because we were in the hospital. And I couldn't go on meetings, so I didn't have an income. So we just said, Lord, meet our needs. Meet our needs. When we were there in the ICU room, people asked, several people asked me how we were going to pay the hospital bills. I said, I don't know. They said, how are you going to buy food? I said, I couldn't answer them. But I knew that God was working on me to learn an even deeper, deeper lesson, which was to just simply trust God. And you know what? God answered. Our son came out of the coma. People fed us. We had food coming out of our ears. Our son Joshua worked for Chick-fil-A, and his boss would come in with plates of Chick-fil-A sandwiches and desserts and everything. And we were able to feed all of the ICU waiting room with it. We could only eat a couple of sandwiches. What else are we going to do with the rest of it? And we're talking platters. And by doing that, you know what happened? People were saying, here's a, a family going through something even worse than our family's going through. And they're wanting to feed us? That was God showing himself strong. And to the glory of God alone, we can humbly say that during this time, we never once went hungry. Never once did any of our bills go unpaid. Never once did we wonder if God was in our presence. As a matter of fact, before we went to Atlanta for Joshua's um, rehab, our church said, look at this account. Use that while you're in Atlanta. I looked at the account, and our church provided over $25,000 to meet our needs. We learned to trust God day by day, and like Elijah at the brook Cherith, where the ravens dropped meat for him, when these people came and provided food, provided this, provided an envelope with thousands of dollars in cash in it. Those were God's ravens. And what did it do? It made me trust in God. And to this day, if anything happens, do I like being disturbed? No, my flesh doesn't like it. But I know this, that God is doing something in my heart and life in it. It conforms your character. Num- uh, excuse me, confirms your character. Number two, it produces patience. Look again in verse number uh, four, or three and four. That the trying of your faith worketh patience. 
but let patience have her perfect worth. I think Elijah and the woman of Zarephath, I think of them, when she was going to make her last meal for her son and herself and then die. In 1 Kings 17, Elijah told her that her barrel of meal and cruise of oil would not fail until the drought ended. God did not provide her a huge vat of oil or a large bin of wheat. She experienced the daily miracle from God. And I'm sure some of you here today are praying, God, would you please take, my, take care of my entire bill right now? Our credit cards are maxed out. Our bank account is at zero. Could you just please give us blank account of money, this much money, so that I can pay it all off? Sometimes God does this. He says, I'm going to give you a job. And I'm going to give you resources to learn how to use that money so you can pay it off little by little. At a bit at a time. And that's still a miracle of God. We want the huge vat. But God's terms are different. God wants to demonstrate a daily miracle to you and to me. Why? That way we learn to trust Him on a daily basis. God's timing is impeccable. And therefore we shouldn't let ourselves get frustrated from impatience. Because that's how I am. If anybody knows my personality, I'm an impatient pastor. So when these disturbances come our way and they want to discourage you, please know that you can endure through it because God is in control of the entire situation. He's been in control the entire time. So not only will it confirm your character and produce patience, but thirdly, it will strengthen your soul. It'll strengthen your soul. Look in verse number four. But let patience have her perfect work that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting or lacking nothing. First Peter 5.10 says, But the God of all grace, who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. This word perfect doesn't mean sinless, but rather it means complete or mature in character. And God knows that this preacher was lacking character in areas of his character. And praise God that God isn't done with me yet. I know that storms are going to come. And Philippians 1.6 says, Be confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. When we go through these tough times, God allows us to go through these sufferings. He allows us to go through these crosses for us to bear, to strengthen our souls. That's what makes us mature Christians. It's to understand what it's like to be part of the fellowship of Christ's sufferings, being made conformable even unto his death. And this verse finishes with wanting nothing, lacking nothing, which means to be satisfied in character. He's all we need. And through the ordeals that we have gone through, Somebody said this as well to me. Somebody sent as a, as a message. They said, before God can greatly use a man, he must greatly break a man. So count it joy. Count it all joy. You've been listening to Anchored in Christ with Pastor David Kehiwat. For more information, visit anchorbaptistchurchsd.org. Tune in next week at the same time for Anchored in Christ.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.